What a gift it is to be reminded of this beautiful, beautiful truth that is ours in the good news of the gospel, that every single day we wake up with a lot of reasons why we can complain, a lot of reasons why we can be frustrated, but at the same time, we wake up every single day with literally thousands of reasons why we can be grateful. The good news of the gospel has invited us into something that is so much greater than we could ever truly comprehend in this life. And we are reminded in the good news of the gospel that God has given us something new and God has given us something beautiful and God has done more for us than we can truly understand. And there is reason to be grateful. And so I just wanted to start, before I even get in this message, just echoing what we just saying, that, that we have gratitude, that we have all these reasons to come before the Lord and say, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you have offered us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the good news of this gospel that says you are set free into something that is so much greater than anything this world has to offer. Praise God for the reasons we have to be grateful. Let me encourage you now, if you would, go ahead and grab your Bible. We're going to jump right into this thing. If you can't tell, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. So let's get into it. Ephesians chapter four is where we're spending some time this morning. We're in a series where we're walking through Ephesians chapter four. We've been walking through the book of Ephesians for most of the year this year. We're just making our way through this great scripture verse by verse. And we're gonna pick up at verse 11 of Ephesians chapter four this morning. And I would like to invite you, I know you just were seated, but if you're willing and able, would you stand back up with me as I read from the word of God so that we all can be reminded here in this room and for those who are joining us online, we, we all want to be reminded when we turn our attention to the scripture, the people of God stand on the word of God. That's very important. Every time we turn to the word of God to be reminded, this is our foundation. The infallible, unchangeable, unshakable word of God. This is our foundation. Our circumstances change, our culture changes, but the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it is what the church is built upon. Let's be reminded of that. The word of God is what, what, what we get to see, what we get to turn our attention to, to understand what God says. What God says is right and good and true. So we look to the word of God to speak truth into our lives. And this is what the scripture says, Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're gonna be talking about that. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. 
If ever there was a message that reminds us of how important it is for the church of Jesus Christ to stand on the firm foundation of the word of God, it's when the word of God reminds us that every single one of us is gonna be tempted to change what we believe and to build our lives on ever-shifting, ever-changing winds of doctrine in our culture. So I wanna ask you this morning, even before we pray, just to be evaluating in your own heart and mind today, what is it that you truly believe? What is your belief built upon? To that end, let's pray and let's invite the Lord to do work in our lives here today. Let's pray together. Father, we, we call on the name of Jesus and we ask in the power of our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, that your Holy Spirit would move among us today, that, that we would see what you desire for us to see, that we would hear what we need to be challenged to hear, Lord God, that you would do work in us. Your, your word promises that it is living and active. I pray that today it would be alive in us as it is alive in this room. And I pray, Lord God, that we would not be the same as a result of that which you say. So we come before you expectant, believing that in this time together with our, with our Bibles open, in this time as your spirit moves, you are speaking pray that you would do a work in us for your glory. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Now, I do, I do want to tell you as you're being seated, even before we get back into our text today, tonight is going to be a really exciting night in the life of our church, specifically as it relates to the men. And so men, tonight is man church, and it's going to be an incredible night. Uh, a buddy of mine, Dina and Sarah, who pastors a church in Tallahassee, Florida, will be here bringing the word tonight. It's going to be a great, great night. You don't want to miss it. And I really want to encourage you. This is one of those nights you need to invite somebody to come with you. Don't come by yourself. Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, bring somebody that you know needs to hear the truth of God's word proclaimed. It's gonna be an incredible environment. I've heard we've got some great giveaways. In fact, I was told this morning that those who bring a guest will be entered into a drawing for a Yeti cooler. I mean, how Baptist is that? Giving away a Yeti cooler? I love it. It's so awesome. So you don't wanna miss it. It's gonna be a great night. Now, let's dive in. Let's dive in. Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16 is where we're going, and what we're seeing here today is the Word of God telling us about the work of the ministry, telling us that there are specific roles in the church, roles of leadership, roles of teaching, roles uh, of shepherding, uh, uh, roles of the evangelist. These are specific roles given to certain individuals in the life of the church, and they have a purpose. Before I go any further, I want you to know we've got this fall, right at 300 people here at Shades who are serving as a teacher in some form or fashion, from preschool to senior adults, over th right at 300 teachers. That's amazing. That's a lot of people who are saying, yes, I, I will teach the word of God. I feel called to teach the word of God, to, to open up the word and reveal the knowledge and the wisdom and the insight of the things of God through his scripture so that the people of God can grow in their faith. That's an incredible privilege that we have here at Shades. We've got an amazing staff team. 
leading all kinds of ministry efforts in all kinds of areas. And I'm so grateful for our staff team, so grateful for all these teachers and leaders in the life of the church. Because we think about those who are teaching and leading, we do need to ask the question, what is the point? What is the purpose of all this teaching? I mean, obviously, if we have 300 teachers in this church, that means we are really emphasizing teaching. So why are we emphasizing teaching of the word of God? We need to pull back and we need to ask the question, how do people view the church? And I'm not talking about just Shades Mountain. How do people view the church? And many people view the church in many different ways. And one of the common ways that people view the church in our culture today, especially among those who are churchgoers, are church attenders, is many people look at the church and they see it as a commodity. What does that mean? They look at the church and they say, okay, that's a religious institution, that's a religious place where if I show up, I can receive some goods and some services from some professionals that are gonna help me live a better life. Many people view the church that way. I need to go see the professionals perform. I know I need to go watch the professionals do some work. I need to receive some things that hopefully will be a blessing and a benefit to my life so that I can get on with the rest of my life. But the word of God is actually showing us a very different picture of the church altogether. And here the Apostle Paul is reminding us that the church is a body and every individual member of the body, every individual follower of Christ in the church has a role to play. And all these different roles, all these different giftings among the people of God in the body of Christ are to be empowered, if you will, equipped, the scripture says, by those who are in leadership and by those who are teaching. So we do not stand up to teach to put on a show and entertain. We do not stand up to teach just to give knowledge or information so that you can know some new things. No, we stand up and teach. We stand up and lead in the church so that the people of God can be equipped with the word of God to go out into the world to live the calling that God has placed on the heart of his followers. Remember in Ephesians 4, we're talking about what does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of this calling. And Paul is saying, look, there are, there are leaders and teachers who have been gifted by God to teach the word of God, to open the word of God, to rightly divide the word of God, to lay it before the people of God so the people of God at receiving the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom of the instruction of God's word can then go out and live their gifts, live their calling through the empowerment of the word of God coming to life in us. This word equip is a fascinating word in Ephesians chapter four as it says all these gifts of leadership and teaching were given to the church. Why? To equip the body for the building up of the work of Christ. This word is also used in Matthew chapter four 
as it talks about the first disciples of Jesus who were also fishermen. And the word in that context in Matthew 4, you can look at this later, is that they were mending their nets after a, a, a night of fishing. The, the disciples who were still paying attention to this gift that they had to go be fishermen, they, they were mending their nets so they could be prepared to take those nets back out and use them the next day. This, this word equip or mending, it actually has medical connotations to it. It would have been used to describe a, a, a situation where someone needed to have a, an arm repaired or mended. A, a shoulder's been popped out of socket. A, an arm has been broken and there needs to be some repairing, some mending to bring that, that joint back together, that bone back together so that it can then go out and serve its purpose. What does that mean for us as a church? The prophets and the teachers and the shepherds and the evangelists have been called by God to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to mend, if you will, the saints, to prepare the saints to go out and live their calling as a part of the body of Christ. I love the idea here that the scripture is giving us. It reminds me of a statement that I've heard my dad say on many different occasions all throughout my life, and that is that the, the church is not a hotel for saints. The church is a hospital for sinners. It's the place where we gather so that we can receive not only instruction, but wisdom and mending, and then be prepared to go out in the grace and mercy of God, in the power of his spirit, to live out what we have received when we gather. To put into practice what we have learned as we grow in the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. As the scripture continues here, it's gonna give us a picture of what it means to be mended by the word of God, to be empowered by the word of God to go live the mission. We see in verse 13 that it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So there is a unity that comes together when we sit under the teaching of God's word, when we then begin to live out our calling based on what the word of God says, when we go out on mission, empowered by the word of God, there is a unity in the body of Christ in the knowledge of the Son of God. But then the scripture says, this is to lead to growth. It says to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 14 then says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Church, we need to understand this as we read these verses. This is a call to the church to grow up. It's a call to the church to grow in maturity so that we take what we have received and take what we have learned and apply it to our lives and live out the calling that God has given us. So think about this call to grow up. I've got a little prop I wanna show you. You never know what might be on stage, right? How many of y'all ever seen one of these bad boys right here? A little bumbo seat action? Now, for those of you who maybe have not had a child or a grandchild in your house in the last decade, this is the modern day high chair, okay? 
Instead of a high chair, you pull out this little bumbo seat, you plop it down, it's pretty amazing. You, you, you put your baby in the bumbo seat, it's like a suction cup, they like stick there, they can't move, right? And then you're, you can feed them or you can let them attempt to feed themselves. They can make all the mess they wanna make. And here's the best thing about the bumbo seat, you can just run it under the sink. Doesn't this sound like an advertisement? You can get out your hose or your pressure washer, you can clean it all off, it's good to go for the next feeding. It's an incredible invention. Our kids used a bumbo seat. Imagine if I invite you over to dinner at our house this week. Megan makes an awesome meal, as she so often does, and the table's set, and it's beautiful, and we go to sit down, everybody grabs their seat, and I come up to the table, and I just have a seat in the bumbo, you know? Like. I mean, this is where I feel most comfortable. So Megan, can you uh, give me my bib? And can you then start to feed me my food? I mean, every single one of you, yeah, you're laughing. Every single one of you would go, um, it's time to look for a new church. <laughs> the new guy has lost it. He's officially delusional and crazy because we all know that an adult should not eat like a child. An adult should not view a meal the way an infant views a meal. And at some point along the way, right, there must be this transition where, okay, it's time, young child, to grab the spoon. And it's time to begin to feed yourself. And it's time then to be able to prepare for the nourishment that you need. And it's time then to take what you have received and, and eat it and then go out empowered by what you have just eaten. And the word of God is saying to the church, church, it's time to grow up. Uh, Ephesians was a very young church, not a hundred year old church, not a church with the incredible legacy of faithfulness that we have here. Ephesians was, was basically a church plant in its infancy. And Paul is saying to these new believers in this young church, hey church, it's time to grow up. It's time to use what you have received. It's time to ingest the word of God and then go allow the word of God to propel you out on mission, to do something with what you have learned and what you have received. Don't just sit there asking everybody else to do everything. No, 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 that's not what the, the teaching and leadership gifts have been given to the church for. The teaching and the leadership gifts have been given to the church to equip the church so that the church can then go live the mission. Go do something with what you have received. Grow up into maturity as a follower of Christ. Why? Why? Because the moment you walk out these doors, the moment you walk out into the world from the body of Christ, please don't miss this. This happens every single week. It's gonna happen today. There is a world out there waiting to tell you what to believe. There is a world out there waiting to tell you how to live. And many times, it runs very contrary to what the word of God lays before us as sound doctrine and wisdom and instruction. And so we must decide, what will we stand upon? 
when we stand upon the wisdom of God, when we stand upon the word of God, or as verse 14 says, will we be tossed to and fro by the ever-changing winds of doctrine? What is this meaning? This means, look, with each season, with each generation, there's gonna be a group of people in the world around us, in our culture, who are gonna say, hey, here's a new belief that you need to have. Here's a new doctrine about marriage that you need to follow. Here's a new doctrine about gender that we've just figured out. This is the doctrine that you need to follow. Here's a new doctrine about the sanctity of human life that you must follow. If you're gonna fit in with this culture, you gotta follow these new doctrines. The word of God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever is saying you must grow up in the faith. You must mature in what you believe so that you're not tossed to and fro like a child standing in the waves. For we all know that children can be gullible. I mean, shoot, we can go down to preschool today and convince preschoolers to believe just about anything if we hand them an ice cream cone. And if you've ever been to the beach with a small child, you know how, how easily the waves on the shore can just knock a child down, knock a child out altogether. And the word of God is saying, church, you must understand what you believe. What you believe matters because the culture is constantly changing what it believes. The word of God says, this is what scripture teaches, what God says is right and good and true. The world says, here's what's right and good and true today, it'll be right and good and true in a different way tomorrow, and a week from now, it's gonna be something totally different that's right and good and true. So what are you gonna believe? Where are you gonna put your life? What's gonna be the foundation under your feet? The scripture is saying grow up. Grow up, church. Understand what the word of God says so that you can be equipped to go out into the world and to stand in the truth of God's world. I mentioned a few things. I just wanna play this out for just a second. This is a little sidebar. But let's just think about some of the hotly debated topics in our culture today. And let's be reminded, there is a culture doctrine, a cultural doctrine, and there's a Christian doctrine. The Christian doctrine is rooted and grounded in the word of God. Are we believing the cultural doctrine or are we believing the Christian doctrine? Think about this conversation around gender. And our culture wants to communicate that gender is now a fluid thing. And gender is now a choice. And gender is something that can evolve or change based on what you're experiencing or what you're going through or your family of origin or whatever the argument may be. What does the word of God say? What does the doctrine of scripture say? Genesis chapter one, verse 27, the very beginning of the story of the creation it says this, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. There's a very clear doctrine as it relates to gender according to the word of God, that God created male and female, and it wasn't our decision, and it wasn't up to us, 
and we don't get to try and play God and change what he has created. But that's not real popular with a lot of people in our culture today, so we must decide what we believe. Will we follow the waves? Be tossed to and fro with the ever-changing doctrine of culture? Or will we stand on the firm foundation of what God says is right and good and true? Think about marriage. This has changed dramatically in our culture in the last few years as laws of the land have changed and standards and norms according to our culture has changed and our culture wants to say that, hey, as long as people are in love, no matter what their gender, no matter what their sex, they can be married together. What does the word of God say? Again, this is not popular with our culture but we need to know what does the word of God say? Well, let's, there's several places we can look. Look at, look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse four, Jesus answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together let no man separate. The Bible makes a very clear doctrinal statement about marriage. That marriage is a covenantal relationship between a husband and wife, a man and a woman, before God for life. Our culture says something very different. The ever-changing winds of cultural doctrine say something very different about marriage. So what will we Believe Will we believe what our culture teaches as doctrine or will we believe what the word of God says is right and good and true? What about all the conversations that are happening culturally right now as it relates to abortion? This is very sensitive. This is a very challenging conversation. People are passionate about this conversation. The, the culture says, hey, it's not about the child at all. Give me a break. It's all about the rights of, of the woman. That's what the culture says. But the word of God, the doctrine of scripture as it relates to the sanctity of human life is so beautiful because it says actually it's bigger than just the rights of the woman. It's about the rights of all mankind, the born and the unborn. How amazing, how beautiful, how gracious that we serve a God that not only cares about those who are already born, but cares about those in the womb, those who are yet to be born. And the word of God says very clearly, here's the doctrine of the sanctity of human life. Psalm 139 is one example, one of the examples. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. I know this is not popular with many in our culture today. But the doctrine of scripture is a doctrine of life. The beauty of life, the gift of life, the creation of life. The doctrine of scripture is a doctrine that says every life matters to God. That's a beautiful thing to hear. Both inside and outside of the womb, our creator God says every life matters to me and was fearfully and wonderfully 
made. But remember, while we talk about the doctrine of scripture, there will always be people in our culture who say, no, 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 I have a very different doctrine that you need to believe. I have a very different doctrine that you need to follow. And so here's the big question. And if we're, if we're intellectually honest at all, we have to wrestle with this question as it relates to doctrine. Are we seeking to craft a doctrine that follows our will? Or are we willing to believe a doctrine that molds and bends our will to the heart of God? Are we seeking to craft a doctrine that follows our will, that puts us at the center and says, these are all the things I want for my life, so I'm gonna come up with a belief system that allows me to have more access to all the things I want for my life, or will we humbly come before the living God, the sovereign reigning most high God, who in his love and grace has called us to come and receive life and goodness and mercy from him? Will we trust him and say, I am willing to allow my will to come under the authority of the one true God so that my will will be molded and shaped to be in line with his purpose and his calling on my life. That's the big question we wrestle with when we're determining what we will believe and what doctrine we will stand upon. But please hear this. In light of the statements I've just made and the controversial topics that I've just brought up, Verse 15 of Ephesians 4 is incredibly important for the people of God. Because if you believe sound doctrine rooted and grounded in the scripture, there's a good chance you will be passionate about your belief in this doctrine. And that's a good thing to be passionate about what the scripture says and to be passionate about what God says is right and good and true. That's a very good thing. But the way we then invite our doctrine to interact with the world is incredibly important. Look at verse 15. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. I honestly believe this in our culture today might be one of the most important verses for the church to consider. Speaking the truth in love. I am so grateful that so many in the church are passionate about the truth of God's word and very concerned about the changes that we're seeing in culture. I'm so thankful that many people are passionate about sound doctrine. That is a beautiful, beautiful gift. That is our firm foundation. But please hear this. The way we communicate the truth, the way we take our passionate belief into the world around us that does not agree with us matters greatly. We have been called as the people of God to speak the truth in love. And that's a sign of maturity. A sign of growing up in the faith, it says, is that we speak the truth in love. Now, I think we would mostly agree 
That if we speak a message of love without speaking the truth, it's actually not loving at all. I think we, most of us would agree with that. But at the same time, please hear this. If we speak the truth, but it is absent of love, we are making an intentional decision to communicate the truth in a way that people cannot hear. And so many times in our passion, we get carried away in our desire to communicate truth and we leave love behind us. And so all that happens is we come at people in a way that they don't want to hear anything we have to say. 1 Corinthians 13, the great passage of scripture on love gives us this amazing illustration. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know what, I need to do something because this I've always wanted to do this. Y'all just come with me for a second. This drum cage is so cool, it's amazing. I mean like, how cool is this to sit in here and to just rock out at church? I mean, it's amazing. Golly, I wish I could play the drums, I don't know how. I just know how to preach a little bit, but what if every sermon I just stood up and started preaching and this was going on the whole time? And everything I said, this was going in the background. Really doesn't matter how much we need to hear the truth. This is what would come across. Thank you, Birmingham! Man. My wife knows it's a good thing I have no musical ability because I probably wouldn't be leading worship. I'll just leave it at that. Um, It's such a basic illustration, is it not? I mean, the brilliance of the word of God to say to the people of God, hey, I know, I know there's gonna be a lot of very important things that you're gonna need to say. You need to say these things. There is truth that needs to be communicated in our culture today. There are things that your neighbors need to hear. There are things that your classmates need to hear. There are things that people in your family need to hear. The truth matters. We must stand on the truth. But church, church, the way the truth is communicated matters. And if we leave love behind us, we are choosing to speak in such a way that those who we are talking to cannot hear what we have to say. And think about how amazing it is that God has done this for us. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He leads with love. The truth is not abandoned, no. The truth is communicated, but he leads with love. The scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It is the grace and the mercy of God that confronts us with very difficult truths and shows us our need for him. But it is the love of God that says, let me step into your story and show you what I have done for you so that you can be set free, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be covered in grace, so that you can be a new creation in the finished work of Jesus. It is the 
love of God that compels us to go live this mission with the gifts and the calling that God has given. Speak the truth in love and grow up in every way, the scripture says, into him who is the head into Christ, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I love what the scripture does over and over again as the apostle Paul is writing this letter. He keeps coming back to the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. He's saying, church, don't ever lose sight of what Jesus Christ has done. The goal of all that we're talking about, church, is to glorify God and lift high the name of Jesus. May we keep our focus there. As we talk about challenging truths and challenging topics culturally, as we talk about how we engage the world, keep your eyes on Jesus. He is who holds it all together. He is who is the image we need to see. He is the one who has set us free, who has called us, who has empowered us, who has equipped us, and who has sent us out to be a light of the gospel in a world that so desperately needs to see and hear the truth spoken in love. So may we be equipped through the teaching of God's word to take the word of God with us wherever we go to do the work of the ministry, to not be a bystander or a spectator, but to get involved and do the work of the ministry, not to earn God's love, but because we have received God's love. So that we as a people can continue more and more to bring glory to God, to lift high the name of Jesus, to point others to the good news of who he is and what he has done for us. Let's pray together as we close our time this morning. Heavenly Father, I am so very grateful for your words, so very grateful for the love that you demonstrate to us in bringing the truth before us. Truthful conversations are often very challenging. This is a challenging conversation that we have had today. But in your love for us, you bring the truth before us in grace and in mercy so that we can see our need for you and see what you have done for us in our need. What a gift. And so we praise you for this good news that's brought to life through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we as a church would be a people who take very seriously the invitation to to live out our calling, to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, to do the work of the ministry because of the finished work of Jesus Christ that has set us free. And I pray, Lord, that as we consider your word, especially verse 15 this morning, that we would consider our own tone and our own approach and our own view of the world around us, that we would go out equipped and empowered with the truth and we would go out ready and willing to deliver the truth in a beautiful, gracious, loving way. That's so much easier said than done. 
And we need your spirit to guide us to that end, to be a voice of truth and a picture of love at the same time is not an easy task. But it is through the work of your spirit in us, it is through the equipping of your word that your people are prepared and ready to go to the world with this good news. I pray, Lord God, that you would use us to that end. And Father, for those who are with us today who perhaps are are struggling with something that I have said in one of these challenging, controversial topics in our culture, I, I pray, Lord God, that as they wrestle with what's been said, they would go to your word. And that anything that has said that's not from your word, Lord, would you, would you burn it away? But Lord, I pray that anybody who's wrestling would see the gift of your word, the strength of your word, the inerrancy of your word and the beauty of your word to invite us to the gospel. Father, for those among us who have yet to place their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, Father, that's, that's why we're talking about what we're talking about so that we as a church can have more and more opportunity to, to get in front of people and say, this is the good news of what Christ has done. And so I pray that for those who have yet to receive Christ as Savior and Lord, that they would see today that, that we passionately care about them coming face to face with the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And I pray that today would be the day that they would recognize what you, Jesus, have done for them. And there is forgiveness, that there is grace, it covers a multitude of sins. And that there is new life for those who trust in Christ by grace through faith. I pray that there would be some today who trust in you and say, Jesus, I'm ready to follow. And as I close, Lord, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for what you're doing among us. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that has called us out of darkness and into the light and then equips us and empowers us and sends us into the world as a light shining brightly for the world to see. May we live in light of what you have revealed. It's in Christ's name I pray.